Welcome to 15 Days of Festive Fear, day number four. And I have five stories for you today. And the last story comes from January 27th, 2021. And story number one comes from Tiff. In September 2019, I was involved in a car accident. I did have some severe injuries. However, it could have been much worse. Let me explain. I was driving on a country road in an insane dust storm. Visibility was shot to shit, so I had to slow down. Immediately in front of me was a car stopped in the middle of the road, no hazard lights, and bang on, I fucking hit it. I was a bit dazed, however, I was startled by a man's voice that said to me in a stern but gentle tone, Move, now. Get into the passenger seat. Hurry up. I woke up in the hospital many hours later. A few broken bones and quite a few stitches, but other than that, I was physically okay-ish. The last thing I could remember was that fucking voice. No clue how I'd gotten to the hospital, etc. The nurses looking after me gathered around and asked why I'd gotten into the passenger side. Mind you, I have no memory of actually doing so. It turns out I got into the passenger side, then was hit by a truck that took out the driver's side of my car. I feel like the voice was my grandpa, but really I have no clue. I guess just my guardian angel who gave me a second shot. That story has made me flap my arms. It has given me chills. I am feeling intense feelings about this story. Holy moly. There is, what would the reason be for you getting into the passenger side when you were injured? You know what I mean? Like you, I don't, I don't, would, I don't think you would do that. I've never touched wood. Thankfully, I've never been in a serious car accident, so I don't know wh- what your brain does in that space of time after something so shocking happening to you. Oh, thank goodness for guardian angels. Uh, that is, that is insane. That has really shaken me up. And story number two comes from Beth. My story took place 20 years ago when I was first married to my son's father. Actually, it begins a little before that when we moved in together about a year before getting married. We rented a house with one other friend of ours. It was an exciting time for me especially. 20 years old and having my first real place outside of living with my parents. Nothing was out of the ordinary about the house when we moved in. It was really quite nice and we felt lucky to have found it. But within the first week of living there, strange things began to occur. At first, it was the little things. One of us would set something down like a pair of keys, only to come back later and not be able to find them. Later on, the item would resurface, often back where we had placed it in the first place. This also happened with a pair of shorts of mine. They weren't found until about a year later, when we were moving. We found the shorts shoved in the corner of a closet that we never used the entire time that we lived there. As time went on, things got much more interesting though. We had a dog named Jack, and Jack was a very chill dog, but in this house he suddenly began going into states of agitation. He would stand and stare up at a place on the ceiling or in a corner and growl and bark with such rage that all the hair on his back would stand up. Like there was something there, but there was nothing. This unnerved me. I had never seen Jack behave so strangely, and that was honestly the first sign to me that there was something odd in the house. 
The next odd and often annoying thing that would happen is that we would be sitting and watching a movie. This was the time of VCRs. All of a sudden, at very random times, while watching a movie, the VCR would just stop playing the movie. One of us would get up, turn it back on, and either right after sitting back down or a few minutes later it would stop again. This happened very frequently, and to the point that my boyfriend and I would say things out loud like, Okay, that's enough now. We're trying to watch this movie. Please stop. And a lot of the time, this seemed to work. At this point, we were really thinking strange things about the house. Then one evening, a friend of mine came over to visit for the first time. He and I had gone to middle school together. When he walked in, he immediately said, This is where that kid got shot by accident. Remember when we were in middle school? As he said this, I did remember. When we were in middle school, two boys were playing with a gun in one of the boys' houses and one boy ended up accidentally shooting the other. My friend realised that my house was the house this had happened and it totally set me over the edge. My boyfriend at the time was pretty weirded out too, but then said, Hey, you know if this place is haunted, it is just a kid messing with us. I still didn't like it, but I'd never felt threatened so just went on with life waiting for the next strange thing to happen. One summer night, I was woken up out of nowhere. Something had woken me, but I didn't really know what. We had a gas heater on the wall in the bathroom. Lots of houses built in that time frame had these little wall heaters in the bathrooms. They could be turned on by turning a knob to turn on the gas and then you would have to light it with a match between the grates and it would illuminate a flame inside. Well, on this night, when it was probably 90 degrees outside, and no one in their right mind would ever turn on a wall heater, I looked over, and the one in our bathroom was on, glowing, full blast red. I freaked out and woke my boyfriend. I made him go in and turn it off. I didn't sleep well for the rest of that night. There was also one incident, the only time really where I felt in danger if you can call it that. I was lying in bed watching TV and Jack started his staring and barking at nothing in the open closet door. His hair was standing on end and he was relentlessly barking at nothing. I started to yell at him to stop and he just kept on and on and suddenly I had this overpowering fight or flight come over me and I just had to get out of there. I literally jumped out of the bed and left the room, refusing to go back until much later when my boyfriend and I were going to bed. We lived in that house for about a year and then we bought our first home, moved and had our son. So a while after moving out, my now husband was driving through the old neighbourhood. He saw the new tenant of our old rental house out doing yard work so he pulled over to chat. He told the man that he had once lived there and then feeling a little silly, asked the man if anything strange had ever happened. The man stared at my husband and then said, Stay right there. I'm going to get my wife. The man went into the house and returned with his wife and asked my husband to ask her what he had just asked him. So he asked if anything strange had ever happened to them since living there. The wife began to tell my husband about her dog's strange behaviour barking and getting agitated at nothing as if something were there. Items going missing only to return as suddenly as they had vanished. So that solidified it for us. We had lived in a haunted house. 
For the record, Jack never acted oddly like he did in that house in any other home we lived in, and the VCR never turned off by itself again. I love a good haunted house story. It does sound like though I it does sound like it was something mischievous rather than something bad or something malevolent. I mean, hiding stuff is very annoying. I I'd, I'd nearly prefer downright evil to something that was going to be hiding stuff around the house because I would find that very frustrating on a day-to-day basis. If I want my shorts, I want my shorts. I don't want to find them a year later tucked into the back of a cupboard, you know. But it's interesting that the dog was behaving so oddly because you do know your own pets like you know they're part of your family you know when their behavior is a little bit off you know when they're feeling frightened or they're not feeling very well they might not necessarily signal it to you in a really obvious way but you just know and then to have the validation of the other family like I love that your husband stopped and asked because I would have to do the same thing I would stop and say is this haunted do you have you ever experienced anything and they had the same experiences I don't know. Seems pretty haunted to me. And story number three comes from Anonymous. I'm a psych nurse who has seen some wild things, mostly in the earthly realm, but some of it maybe not. I had some strange jobs prior to becoming a nurse, including one where I worked in a morgue, but I never experienced anything paranormal until I started working in hospitals. When I decided to go back to school for nursing, My first job was as a nursing assistant on a surgical floor in a huge university hospital. I worked the night shift and was generally just run ragged helping post-surgical patients with mundane tasks like using the bathroom, eating and washing up. It was mostly exactly what you'd expect. But one patient sticks with me even now, almost 10 years later. He was in room 65. He came to our unit following a lung surgery and for some reason that I can't remember he couldn't speak. We worked out a system. When he needed something from the nursing staff, he got our attention by pressing his call light and then quickly hanging it up a few times. It would ring up at the front desk a few times in succession and someone would go and check on him. His recovery went okay for a few days. But as I came in for my shift one evening, I learned that he had just died unexpectedly an hour before I got there. His body had already been removed and the room was cleaned and empty. I started my shift and a few hours later with the patients mostly settled for the night I sat up at the front desk to answer the phone and call lights and catch up on charting. Shortly after I sat down the call light in room 65 went off. I stared at the call light phone knowing the room was still empty following the patient's death earlier in the evening. Hesitantly I picked it up, thinking maybe a co-worker was in there and needed help. Hello? Did you need something? I asked. There was no answer. I hung up the phone and shrugged, returning to my charting. Less than a minute later, it rang again. Room 65. This time, I got up and walked down the hall to peek in the room. Maybe maintenance was in there messing with something. The room was empty and dark with a neatly made bed, moonlight shining in and the call light resting on the pillow and plugged into the wall. I unplugged it and plugged it back in. Out of ideas I went back up to the front desk where the fucking room 65 call light went off again and then hung up abruptly and rang and hung up again and again. 
By this point, I was absolutely about to lose my shit, so I called a nurse over and started blubbering about the coal light. She picked it up and said calmly, Sir, you passed away this evening, you can go now, and just strolled away like it was totally normal. It stopped ringing, and didn't ring again for the rest of the night. A few years later, I had finished nursing school and gotten a job working at a rehab facility for people with developmental and physical disabilities. It was part of a huge institutional-looking complex that was built in the mid-1900s as a state-run asylum for people with disabilities and mental illness. Like many similar places, it had a sordid history of residents being treated very poorly, some truly horrific shit. And on top of that being constructed shortly after World War II, it was meant to function as a bomb shelter and had a massive system of tunnels underground as well as tons of little hidey-hole rooms with super-thick walls and doors. It used to be an absolute nightmare of a place, but by the time I started working there, it was a well-run facility that provided good care to the patients. Not surprisingly though, it seemed to retain an imprint of all that fear and despair. On my unit, basically all of the patients used wheelchairs or motorised chairs to get around and weren't able to transfer out of bed without staff assistance. Many of them were non-verbal as well. On the night shift, there was usually just one nurse and a nursing assistant for the whole floor, and the outside doors were locked. One night I was sitting up at the front desk with the nursing assistant after everyone had gone to sleep. I got up to do my rounds down one hallway and then the other. Everything was in order. All the patients were asleep or quiet and the patient room doors were open according to our policy. I sat back down at the desk and started charting. The whole unit was so quiet. I remember it was so still that I could hear the clock ticking and not much else. Fifteen minutes later, I got up to do another round. I passed the first room and frowned. The door had been closed. Weird. I didn't hear anything and it was just around the corner from where I'd been sitting. It's easy to rationalise things though, especially in an old building like that. Maybe the foundation is crooked. Maybe there's an air current in the hallway. Whatever. I opened it, checked on the patient, still sleeping, and continued my rounds. I got to the next room and that door was shut too. Annoyed, I opened it. The patient was sleeping. As I continued down the dark, creepy hallway, it became apparent that every room had been closed. Feeling slightly panicky, I got to the room at the end, opened the door, and saw the patient awake in bed. I asked him if he had seen someone come by and shut all the doors. He smiled and shrugged. I asked again, Did someone shut your door? He just grinned wider and pointed out the door towards the hallway. I backed out of the room, beyond creeped out at this point. I fucked right off back down the hall, turning on all the lights as I ran and spent the rest of the shift cowering at the front desk, trying not to crap my pants every time I heard a noise. I always laugh at stories about people paying money to tour haunted asylums and old hospitals. Turns out all you need to do is become a nurse and you'll see all kinds of spooky shit and get paid for it. Which brings me to the most haunted place I have ever worked. After about a year of working in the haunted asylum, 
I got the chance to work in a psychiatric unit that was designed for older people with dementia. It was a tiny unit in an old rural hospital and it was my dream job. As you can imagine, many of our patients were there because they were very confused, frightened, suspicious or aggressive due to their disease progression. While hospitals and healthcare facilities in general seem to collect ghosts and ghost stories, this psych unit especially seemed to attract and concentrate this stuff on a whole other level. Maybe it was the intense emotions of the patients there, combined with their confusion, their disconnect with reality and their proximity to the end of their lives seemed to open up doorways that would and probably should normally stay closed. And given that many of the patients are hallucinating or delusional, it can be hard to tease out what is due to mental illness and what is something else entirely. Anyway, here are some things that my co-workers and I experienced that I don't think can be attributed to the patient's conditions. Pictures flying straight off the wall and outward, not down. Sometimes they flew so hard that they hit the opposite wall. This happened so often with certain pictures that they were eventually just taken down permanently and put into storage. Silverware flying up and off discarded meal trays and clattering to the floor several feet away. My co-worker and I, plus several patients, saw this happen. Disembodied voices. One nurse heard her name being called in a sing-song voice from an empty room. I personally had someone or something whisper, Hello there, directly into my ear as I was alone in the unit kitchen. Another co-worker and I once heard an old woman's voice down a dark, empty hallway calling out, Can somebody help me? We went to check, but of course nobody was there. Given that it is a unit for the elderly, there are plenty of assistive devices like walkers and wheelchairs. They frequently unlock themselves. You can hear the click-click of the brakes being let up and then they roll around the room, and not always in a straight line. At night, you can hear the sounds of walkers creaking up and down the hallway and doors creaking open or shut, even when the patient is in bed. There is a locked room on the unit that is meant for patients who are so out of control dangerous, whether to themselves or others, that they need a safe room to cool down in. It is very rarely used, as it's a big deal to seclude somebody like that, and it is always kept locked from the outside with only staff having the key. The light in the room frequently turns on by itself. It's so common that it's just a part of rounds to check that room and turn the light off, sometimes multiple times per shift. Some doors are really resistant to opening, like you have to lean your whole weight on them. Other doors open and shut on their own, despite every single door in the unit being locked at all times. Many patients have mentioned seeing a little boy in a blue suit running in the halls or playing on the floor. There are no children allowed on the unit. One of my co-workers, usually a sceptic, was sitting at the front desk chatting and was seated so that she could see down the hallway. It was night time and the patients were all in bed. Suddenly her face went grey and she grabbed a flashlight and ran down the hall and into a patient's room. She came back to the desk, still kind of ashen looking, and said, I saw somebody go into that room. She described it as a human-sized and human-shaped bright white thing that sort of glided into the room but wasn't in there when she went to look. Frequent knocking in the walls where there aren't any pipes. For a while it was happening so often that we had a maintenance worker check it out, but he couldn't find anything that could cause the noise. 
faucets turning on and off by themselves, bed alarms going off in empty rooms, the stereotypical random cold patches, random wet spots on the floor where nothing was leaking. One morning housekeeping reported a bed that looked like it had been slept in, head indentation on the pillow, shape of a body on the sheets, but the room had been locked and empty all night. One time I was working on the computer at the front desk and heard a bed alarm going off, indicating that a patient had started trying to get up without staff help. Because our patients were at high risk of injury from falls, I was in the habit of dropping whatever I was doing when I heard a bell alarm and hauling ass to catch them before they fell. This time was no different. I heard the alarm, spun around in my chair, stood up and tried to run, but ran straight into what felt like a person, like the resistance of running headfirst into a human body, but there was nobody there. One of my co-workers was sitting at a desk that is enclosed on three sides and behind a glass wall. She got snapped in the ankle by a rubber band that then fell onto the floor. I saw that one happen with my own eyes. And the strangest thing that ever personally happened to me while working there. After a late shift one night, I headed out to my car around midnight to drive home. I've heard enough true crime stories that it's a part of my routine to check the back seat and trunk of my car before getting in to drive. Satisfied that there were no axe murderers hiding, I got in and started to drive home. As I mentioned, the hospital was rural and I had a fairly long drive home, partly on dark country roads. My biggest concern was usually staying awake and not hitting any deer or raccoons. This particular night... As I drove, I couldn't shake the creepy feeling that someone was in the car with me. I assumed I was just overtired and getting myself wound up, but the prickly feeling kept nagging at me to the point that I actually pulled over the car at a gas station and double-checked. There was nobody in the car, nobody in the trunk, okay. I got home uneventfully, pulled into the garage, got out, One more quick glance into the back seat because I still felt creeped out for some reason that I couldn't articulate. It was all clear, so I went inside and fell asleep. I woke up the next morning, having mostly forgotten about the weird drive home. My husband was out of town for a week, so I had the house to myself. I tidied up the kitchen and went outside to work in the garden. A couple of hours later, I came inside and noticed that there was a wooden cutting board sitting on the counter that I knew I had put away, with a pencil sitting on it. Instantly, the hair on my neck stood up. What the fuck? As I took a closer look, the cutting board had been scribbled on. Nothing legible. It looked like someone trying and failing to write in cursive. So hard that the pencil had snapped. I grabbed a knife and went through the house, convinced there was some creep hiding in the walls. There was nobody. My dogs were both sound asleep on the couch and nothing else was disturbed. I sent one of my friends a panicked text, and she said, open the windows, burn sage. Which I did, feeling like a complete idiot, but also at a loss for any better ideas. I decided some invisible thing had followed me out of work the night before, hopped in my car, sat in the back seat the whole way home, and then followed me inside and tried to write me a message. Absolutely not, okay? At my wit's end and hoping this was a reasonable ghost, I said out loud in my empty kitchen, 
I'm going back to the hospital this afternoon if you'd like to come with me. Either the sage or the polite invitation worked because nothing else like that has ever happened in my house. The psych unit, of course, continues to be extremely fucking haunted. That story is very scary. Everything about that story was very scary. You know my feelings about working in old psychiatric units, old asylums, anything like that where there has been trauma, where there's been horrible stuff done to patients. It carries a residue. It carries it in the walls. I don't care what anybody says, whether it's stuff that's created by our own knowledge of what happens there or what happened there in the past. I don't know. I don't care. Either way, it is incredibly scary. It's just night shift nurses and night shift doctors they're they're the real heroes in the world because they not only have to keep patients alive and safe over the night shift they have all the paranormal shit to deal with too that's the that's the bit that isn't listed in the job description all the paranormal shit that comes with working a night shift if anybody listened to I did a podcast episode with my mum where I talked to her about her paranormal experiences and she said no I don't have any paranormal experiences and then I asked her about working night shifts in the unit that she worked on. She's now retired. And she um, was like, oh yeah, things used to move, doors used to bang. I used to, sh- to see shadows all the time. But, you know, I used to just ignore it. And I was like, how can you say then you didn't have any paranormal experiences? But yeah, like that, she just ignored it. And story number four comes from Lisa. It was around 5.45pm in early December. So it was pretty much fully dark. I went for a run mostly on the street where there's light but I finished near the start of my favourite trail that I usually only go on during the daytime. I started to go in trusting my flashlight and the fact that the trail is a shortcut home and then I paused because several dozen metres into the trail I saw this weird floating light. It was kind of a warm looking light and vaguely rectangular and too far from the street to be a street lamp. So here I am, thinking there is no way this shortcut is worth getting lured into the creek by a will-o'-the-wisp and decide to turn around. As I'm about to turn, a car passes on the street. Now this thing is close enough to the road that this car's overbright LEDs can illuminate it. It's just one of those pick-up-after-your-dog signs, but the shiny back was facing the road and I had just passed its counterpart on the way in. You know what? I'll take a pickup after your dog sign over some sort of UFO will of the wisp leading to your do- leading you to your doom any day, for sure. Also, don't run on isolated trails, shortcut or not, at night time. No way, just in case. And I don't, I'm not an alarmist with any with stuff like that whatsoever. But I always think that those country laneways and stuff are just dangerous at night time for a person running on their own. And story number five comes from Melissa. This happened in 2012. My younger sister was 11 at the time and my older sister was 21. My older sister Charisse was obsessed with the show Supernatural and would sit and watch it for hours each night. At the time we had a communal computer in the lounge and she would sit there with headphones on and watch it. My younger sister started withdrawing herself from the family and we eventually asked a family friend of ours. He just happened to be a priest. We didn't specifically want a priest, but he used to counsel children. 
and we asked him to come and speak to her. After they had spoken, he explained to us how pouring so much of your being into the one thing can open yourself up to entities being attached to you. She told him that when Charisse watches Supernatural, she could see a small thing sitting next to her. He would sit on his haunches and his arms were very long and would hang on the ground next to him. His body would face the screen with Charisse, but his head would be turned in any direction Charlene was sitting in and he would be smiling at her. She also said he stands in the passage and watches her in her room. We started watching her when she walked around the house and when she walked down the passage she used to take a sidestep and walk around something. We couldn't see it but it turns out this creature was standing in her way. Needless to say, Supernatural was never completed and this creature left. We have had a supernatural being in every house that we have lived in, so we definitely believed her. Oh, listen, I that story has really freaked me out. Why has that story freaked me out so much? I, oh, what is this little creature sitting watching, sitting smiling at the other child? No. Oh, that has really given me the heebie-jeebies. This whole episode has given, has given me the heebie-jeebies, to be honest. It's really freaked me out. I My sitting room door is open and I can't see the sitting room door from where I'm sitting. I'm currently recording in the sitting room. And um, I'm afraid to get up and close the door now because in case something's going to be standing in the doorway. <gasps> oh. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Tiff, Beth, Anonymous, Lisa and Melissa for sending in your stories. Remember the last story was from January the 27th, 2021. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next time.